This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah, it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We are inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here on a special Derek Carr announcement edition. It has finally happened. Uh, We don't even need a huge rundown of what we're going to be getting into, Jeff, because it's going to be reactions of Derek Carr, the numbers going into it. And then, you know, one week from today, we get in the legal tampering period for free agency Things are definitely, it's always Saint season, no matter what's going on. Yeah, you say special edition. This is just our normal edition, uh, to be clear. It's just special happen- I guess it's official with Derek now. Yeah, the nice thing is they happen to do this at a very convenient time <laughs> for our normal podcast schedule, because I was thinking that it might not happen. I was dreading recording the entire episode, and then like right after we were done, the, the, the Derek Carr contract comes in. Of course, because right. I didn't believe for a second the whole Jets thing. We can get into that more, but that yeah. was so clearly just uh, like last-second gamesmanship from somebody <laughs> there. But yeah, so we're going to talk about Derek Carr. He signed today. We get, we have the numbers on that contract. So we're going to get into that in the second segment. But first things first, I wanted to kind of get into just the reaction of you know both you and myself, and then a few others who we have some audio from, because this is a big deal. Like this is a you know it's. The Saints sign free agents all the time, but it's very infrequent that you see a team sign a legitimate quarterback, a quarterback that you intend to start, right? Like there's not going to be any position battle. This is the guy that we are signing and we are paying starting quarterback money to come in, right? The Saints didn't do that with Jameis. Saints didn't do that with Andy. They did do it with Drew. And so that's kind of what you have to compare it to. And like, it doesn't happen very often. Like if you're looking for an example around the NFL of like that happening, probably Kirk Cousins, right? Is the only realistic recent example. Like you can look at Orion Tannehill, but he didn't get signed to Tennessee to start. He got signed there to back up Marcus Mariota and then took over. So, I mean, it just, it doesn't just doesn't happen that often where a guy who multiple teams feel like is a NFL starter, it's hits free agency and, it's a it's a bidding war. It's not a trade. It is not okay. Maybe he's the guy. He is the starter. There is no question. You going forward. So, what, what was your reaction to that? Uh, the whole process to me, I was kind of surprised that there were only the three teams supposedly involved: Saints, Jets, and Panthers. That came to light, at least. I, I don't know if there was any franchise lurking in the shadows. I thought there would definitely be a more of a market for David Carr. I consider him an above-average quarterback in this league and the fact that they're so hard to come by and so many teams are quarterback needy. I figured there would be at least six, seven teams involved and get you, you know what? Thankfully, I guess there wasn't for the saints because they were able to get their guy at a, a, a fairly reasonable price looking at the market where quarterbacks are going at glad this is over. Glad they got their guy. I know they weren't successful last season, 
going all in and being aggressive for Deshaun Watson. But you know what? I, I think a lot of people would agree the fallout from that. It's pro- probably a good thing. And I'm just really, I guess you could say, inspired by this organization to, to see them as aggressive again. And they're in that mindset for sure that they are not rebuilding. They are going for it again this year. I don't know about six or seven. I don't think there are six or seven teams that I would, you could have even like, I think the maximum you're talking, maybe four or five Washington, not getting involved was a little surprising to me. The Falcons not getting involved. Yeah. The Colts, but they owe so much money to Carson Wentz and, and Matt Ryan at this point, Tennessee, Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, I I don't see it. I mean, you're just, (laughs) you're, you're naming team, but like in terms of teams that would be really interested in Derek Carr specifically, not that might need a quarterback. I think there was maybe four or five. And yeah, a couple teams could have got into it, but didn't. Either way, I think one of the things that kept this market small was it was very clear that he was not just going to go to a team that offered the most money. And I think one of the reasons he's now on the Saints is that they were at the front of the line ready to trade for him from the jump, right? And Right before he was that- released, Exactly. Yeah, I think that means something um, in this whole process. Here's what here's what NFL Network's Brian Baldinger had to say on the signing. He's never in nine years with the Raiders, I don't think, played with the defense anything like what the Saints bring to the table. I mean, even in the, a disappointing season last year where they were 7-10, and 10, they did not allow more than 20 points in any of their last eight games. I mean, Derek Carr would love to play on a team that can keep the score down like that. And then if you add Kamara, I think a, a young offense line with Penny, Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, Ramchek is still a very, very good player. I mean, he's got a good offensive line. He's got talent around him, and he's got a defense. And he knows the head coach, right, and Dennis Allen. He's familiar with his style. And look, I mean, Dennis Allen was fired four games into his rookie season. But still, he was there for the offseason, a training camp. He understands his style. So I think there's less uh, question marks about New Orleans than any other targets that had been talked about. Jeff, I yeah, forgot I to ask you at the beginning of this, is the 2014 Raiders reunion complete? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the names that you could have feasibly seen come in have arrived. Obviously, you have... Marcus Robertson, who was out there. You have Joe Woods, who was out there. You have Dennis Allen as the head coach. And you have David Carr, Derek Carr. I keep doing that. Derek Carr as the quarterback. I don't know what was going on with the music there with Brian. It's like they were trying to play him out or something. It was definitely a little too overmodulated. Right. Turn it down a bit. Well, it's like, let let the man talk, NFL (laughs) Network. Jeez. Um, But, yeah, so I I did think that was an interesting comment because – You know, one of the things that I saw as I was kind of reacting to all this was a stat that was tweeted to me in that it said Derek Carr in games where the Raiders allowed the other team to score 19 or fewer points. It was 12 and 9 in those games. And that was a very bad winning percentage relative to basically every other quarterback. And so I decided to look into it. And first things first, 19 points is an irrelevant number. I don't know why it would be set at 19 unless you were trying to, you you found that, oh, maybe 20, that doesn't make them quite look as bad. So we're going to say 19 as if that's different, but like it doesn't really change anything. And I went through all of Derek Carr's games and he's 10 and five in games where his defense allows exactly 20 points. So it's almost as if something, there's some gamesmanship going on there in the numbers. And there definitely is. And you should always consider that when you're looking at stats like this. But I also went through and I looked at everything. And so he is actually 15 and nine in games where his defense allows 19 or fewer points. And so for one thing, that stat was incorrect. So if you're just sharing a screenshot with a stat on it, keep in mind, might not be right, which in this case, it's not. Even then, 15 and nine, not a great winning percentage in in low scoring games, but it's still not 12 and nine. And if you add 20 points, which I would argue you should, because the way NFL scores happen, touchdowns count for seven. So if you, if your defense is holding someone to 20 points, there's an easy path to you getting 21, right? So like you could actually make an argument for 20 or fewer, in which case his record would be 25 and 14. That's not that bad, is it? Like, so, so it almost seems like there's some disingenuous things going on with numbers, and that does happen a lot. But like, to me, that's not even the takeaway. Is oh, Derek Carr's bad 
in in low scoring games because if you look at it too five of those losses came in 2014 and 2015 his first two years in the league so it's like oh yeah yeah let's draw some direct lines from what's happened in 2014 with the raiders to what happened now first off his defense was better then (laughs) because if you look at this one thing that stands out is it's insane that in nine years in the nfl he's only played in 24 games where his defense held a team to fewer than three touchdowns yeah right it's like say that again (laughs) yeah like think about that think about that that's crazy (laughs) like (laughs) you play 16 games a season for a majority of these we've played 17 in the last two that is a heck of a lot of games to not have your defense dominate in any in, in more than two games a season it's about an average of two games a season where he's got where he got a above average contribution from his defense so like i don't know it's such, Derek, I, Carr, I hate i hate arguments like that cars looking at last year's saints defense and going gimme gimme please well right <laughs> and so like you can say oh the takeaway here is that he's not good in low scoring games and it's like to me the takeaway is he hasn't played in a lot of low scoring games <laughs> because he hasn't had the luxury of playing in low scoring games <laughs> and then my also the other takeaway is that if you want to look at the more realistic takeaway from this it's that okay what about the last five years wouldn't that be a reasonable number to look at considering you're not getting 22 year old Derek Carr let's see so going back to 2018 mm-hmm. he is he was 1-0 in 2018 3-1 in 2019 2-0 in 2020 3-1 in 2021 and 1-2 this past season where things went so badly that he's no longer on the team right so sure he probably did play badly last year he got cut <laughs> So if you look at 2018 through 2021, let's see, six, seven, he's nine and two in those games. It's a pretty good winning percentage. So anyway, that's just my long-winded takedown of this stat that no one else cares about. But I just like, it's, you see stuff like this all the time. And it's like, there's a reason that you can't take everything at face value because there is context there. Yeah, I think uh, it's like you say, you can make the stats pretty much look or tell the story you wanted to tell. I think it's pretty funny with folks last year, for whatever reason, it was Derek Carr's suddenly his fault that the Raiders faltered yet the year before he single handedly, you know, put them on their back and brought them to the playoffs. You were here. And so it's like, wait a minute, which take are you going to go with here? Yeah. And I think one thing that a lot of people forget is, so he had a different coach in 2020 and 2021 and wh- whatever you think about John Gruden, his system is a, is very similar to what the Saints run, and it is not very similar to what Josh McDaniels runs, right? And so if you want to, like, I think that if you're trying to draw a line from anywhere, you would draw a line from the John Gruden years when he actually did play pretty well. So he is in those systems that require the quarterback to do a lot and have to make decisions at the line. That's where he thrives. Josh McDaniels is the opposite. Josh McDaniels is very much, I'm going to call what I call, and you're going to run it, right? It's a very rigid system, and it clearly didn't work. And you could make the argument that that is a Josh McDaniels thing because I don't know how many years he has to prove he's a bad coach before you right. kind of take it. Um, and you could say this, you can make the same argument about Dennis Allen. So it's, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, like, you can't have it both ways, right? But, you, but, you, <laughs> but at least Dennis Allen's been proven, I guess you could say, in his specialty of defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the Saints defense was fine last year. It could have been better, but yeah, I, like it's not like the off, right. the defense is what let this team down over the, the final six games of the season. Like the defense didn't allow 17. If you want to talk about records and games where your defense held the opponent to fewer than 20 points, week 13 against the Bucks, right? Like that was a game that, you know, all you needed was 18 points and you ended up with 16. Um, and so, yeah, it's... It is something, but I, I like the, I like the signing again. I think I mentioned this. There was kind of that late night report about the jets being the front runner. And like, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the next morning, the saints (laughs) are suddenly the front runner. And I think that was kind of a last minute kind of Olay to get the saints to pony up a couple extra mil or something. he He was leading New York. Suddenly the next morning he was having beignets with new Orleans. Yeah, and and I think that was always going to be the case. I think it's telling that he ended up with 37.5 annually 
and the quote unquote target that was reported was 35. And I wonder if maybe 35 was where they landed, but he wanted a little more or the agent wanted a little more, more like, and that's where he ended up. But you know, we we're all here and the saints got their guy as they, as they tweeted out. And I think that's a good way to describe it because when you look at this whole process and it's similar to what happened last year in that, like the saints were laser focused on Derek Carr last year, they were laser focused on Deshaun Watson. They didn't land him. And then it was kind of like, Oh, what are we going to do? Right. Like they signed Jameis Winston. They clearly didn't want Jameis Winston based on how everything went. How the season played out, too, was pretty clear. Ouch. Exactly. (laughs) They signed Andy Dalton as the backup. And then they were like, you know what? We're going to go with Andy. And it's like that couldn't have been the plan. So like the same thing, you would have run into a similar situation this year if you didn't get Derek Carr, because I don't think they I don't think they went very far down the road of like, what if we don't get him? What are we going to do? I don't think that they spent a whole lot of time thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, to me, we, and we've talked about it, obviously, on on the previous episodes, when you look at just some of the other options out there at quarterback that were realistically gettable, I'm not talking about, obviously, uh, a huge all-in franchise, you know, changing trade of a guy like Lamar Jackson, but someone that is on the open market and available. There, you After Derek Carr, what are, what are you going to do? You're going to go Jimmy Garoppolo, really? I mean, to me... There were, there were issues, obviously, there with with injury concerns and just all of the other warts that seem to be on these other quarterback choices for you. And ob- and then you you look at a, a rookie. Dennis, Dennis Allen can't afford to start a rookie quarterback year one. He's, he's, he's trying to, you know, year two, I mean. He's trying to hold on to this job. And I think it was pretty clear that a veteran was always the goal for this team. I'm just glad they got the better of what was available because I was really going to be miserable if they missed out on him. And suddenly we're talking week one about Baker Mayfield started. That to me is misery. This team was tired of being in QB purgatory. So they went out and they got the top quarterback on the market. And we're going to talk about more about how much they actually did pay and what the contract is in the next segment. But they wanted Derek Carr. They went and got Derek Carr. And if you want to look at Dennis Allen and say, okay, you've got everything you wanted this offseason. There are no excuses left. I mean, you got your defensive coordinator, your hand-picked him. You know, you got all of these guys, your, the coaches, the assistant coaches, the, the veteran tight ends coach, right? The, uh, you know, I would say a pretty high-profile offensive line assistant in Kevin Carberry, right? Like, you got everything that you could have wanted. You got your quarterback that you hand-picked back in 2014, and you hand-picked him again this year. Put up or shut up this season in my opinion like if you can't find a way to win the nfc south this nfc south uh then i think we've i think the writing is on the wall in that respect and that's the only thing that scares me about this signing is what if it goes south what if all of the indications that we think are there from the john gruden seasons are in reality this past season was the falling off a cliff of a 31 year old quarterback and you're never going to get that quality winning quarterback play out of a guy who's in his thirties, right? What if you'd never get that? And then you're locked into a $150 million contract over four years. Like that's, that's what I'm concerned about because you look at what the situation the Raiders were in this off season. If things go a certain way, that could be the saints. Yeah. And obviously, you know, they dealt with some injuries like everybody else in the league. I know Darren Waller missed a good chunk of time, yeah. which obviously hurt that offense, a uh, Hunter Renfro. So you know, Carr didn't have all those pieces available to him. Devontae Adams had a heck of a season, though, for the Raiders, I'll say. I- I'm anxious to see, obviously, now what else happens here down the line, the trickle-down effect of how is this going to affect free agency, the draft? Do we think the Saints still go after a quarterback? I, I don't think a first-round pick was ever really coming into play maybe if that buzz around Hendon Hooker pushed him up that high kind of deal, but I still always felt that if anything, they would take him round two if really pressed. But yeah, I don't know if you, you're going to bring in a young quarterback now or trying to maximize those early assets for surrounding Derek Carr with obviously as many weapons as you can for him. Uh, Speaking of Waller, it'd be sure nice to have a big tight end for, for Carr to throw to. Yeah, I think there's there's some interesting options you're going to have in the draft now that this is set and like yeah, for sure. I think this changes your mock draft entirely, right? And that's why Absolutely. early mock drafts are a joke. 
because because this is complete. This is a paradigm shift for what this offense is going to be looking for. I still think you should be looking at quarterbacks. I really do, you know, but not in round two, probably not in round three. Right. But yeah. A guy like Hendon Hooker drops to round four, which I think is a realistic possibility. Not, you know, it's like similar to Malik Willis last year. Like once every, every team in the NFL passes on you once passes on you twice, there's a chance they pass on you a third time. Right. And you know, maybe that's where you can, you can land them just like the Saints got Ian book in the fourth round. You know, I think it's a good, good place to find a developmental tight end like or quarterback yeah. like that. Yeah. Obviously t- we're still waiting on tons of information about his medicals, but I just worry about, his stock rising solely on the fact that his interviews and, you know, interactions with the media are so good that I'm sure he's killing it in these one-on-one interviews as an impressive leader for a future organization kind of deal. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but like, I think that might make you, if, if you're between one guy and another guy, that might be the reason you lean toward him. It's not going to move. It's not going to like raise your stock. Right. Like you're not going to end up one round higher because a team thought like, oh, man, I really liked how he commanded that room. And I think it's going to scare a lot of teams off. They don't get to see him work out. And yeah, like I don't think he's going to get the Jalen Hurts treatment. Right. Like I don't think a team like the Eagles is going to take him in the second round as a flyer. Um, But maybe they do. Right. Maybe the Saints take him in the third. I'd I'd be okay with that. Because, again, like I like the idea of having a young quarterback in there and also like you don't really have a backup quarterback on the roster anymore. We're gonna have to, we're gonna talk about that in a, a later segment of some of the options there. But yeah, like it would be nice if you could get a backup quarterback on a rookie contract. You know, there's still a lot of questions. If do you bring a guy like you know Andy Dalton back into this mix as well with Carr kind of thing? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that more. Uh, let's wrap up this segment. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk some numbers because that's always the bigger question. Yeah, because Derek's going to get a lot of them. He's going to get a lot of numbers. I'm talking about dollar signs. Keep it locked on inside Black and Gold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Hit the subscribe button if you have not done that wherever you happen to be listening. That's all I have to say on the subject. If you haven't, that's on you. But yeah, so we're going to talk about the contract that the Saints inked Derek Carr to today. A pretty quick process when you think about it. They were in Indianapolis last week meeting up a storm and they get back home on Monday. I mean, like the combine went until yesterday. Like, it's not like we waited four or five days. Like this was wrapped up in Indy. Like they didn't come home. And then Derek's like, you know what? Let's, let's work that contract out. Like they did this in person. And uh, so, yeah, so we only waited what 12 hours from the end of the combine until we got this contract. It's four years, $150 million, 37.5 million average annual contract value puts him at number nine in the NFL, which is reasonable. I mean, like it's obnoxious when you see some of these contract quarterbacks are signing and nine is not going to be where he finishes, right? Like Daniel Jones is going to get a contract. That's probably going to knock him down that list. Lamar Jackson is probably going to kind of contract that knocks him down that list. Assuming they don't get franchised, assuming they actually get their contracts. So when you look at it, you know, he's slightly above Kirk Cousins. I think that's where you where you would slot him in terms of a contract value. So I think it I think they did get Derek at the number that that makes sense. Every time you say Kirk Cousins, I laugh just because I know you called him Mr. League Average, and it really is the most perfect title for him. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> League Average, and he is average he is now averaging quarterback money as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like kind of that like middle class tier of of quarterback contracts that's the thing too when folks i guess 
you see these numbers and it's pretty unbelievable what quarterbacks are making this year and you hear blah, 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 but that's the market and it just happens to be what it is. Yeah, and, and, and like the average annual value is also like just a thing. Like it's not even, I don't think that you can even say it means anything beyond being able to say that you are this, right? Like when the Saints made Michael Thomas the highest paid wide receiver, that's the number you looked at was the average annual value. But like, that's not what you actually get paid, right? That's just the average of all the th- all the money. And like a lot of that is not guaranteed and you probably will never see it. But looking at this, Aaron Rodgers is number one at 50 million, which is kind of crazy. Russell Wilson, 48 million. Kyler Murray, 30, I'm sorry, 46 million. Deshaun Watson, 46 million. Pat Mahomes is fifth. <laughs> At 45 million. He's right there, but it is funny to, to think Pat Mahomes is not the highest paid quarterback. Josh Allen, 43 million. Matt Stafford, 40 million. Dak Prescott, 40 million. And then Derek Carr. So he is right between Dak and and Derek, Dak and uh, Kirk Cousins. You mentioned some of those other quarterbacks uh, throwing Jalen Hurts also waiting on a deal. Yeah. And so, like, the, like, I'm not even including, you know, rookie deals in this because it's not even a thing. But yeah, like Jalen Hurts is probably going to get a contract that ends up putting him in that range or probably higher than Derek Carr, right? You're going to have these, like Trevor Lawrence is eventually going to be on a deal. Joe Burrow is going to be on a deal. And it's going to probably, those are going to reset this market. So if you're the Saints, you feel like you got a pretty good value out of this contract because, you know, Daniel Jones is out there asking for $45 million. Daniel freaking Jones. He had one decent season, right? Like we're not talking about, oh, he's been really good his first three seasons, but they just, the team around him was bad and they missed the playoffs. Like, no, he was not good. His first three seasons, he took a step forward two years ago. He took a bigger step forward this year, but he's asking for $45 million based on good enough to get to the playoffs, not good enough to win a Super Bowl, good enough to get there. And so like, I think that kind of tells you like, 37 million does sound crazy when you think about it, but like when you put it in the perspective of, let's see, let's look up Daniel Jones stats of, of these stats being $45 million, 3,205 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, right? It's like 15 touchdowns. What? That is a $45 million quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, Uh... at least in his mind. Now you got to give him the credit for the rushing, right? Like that is a big thing about Daniel Jones is he is a very effective runner. He ran for 700 yards and another seven touchdowns. So you give him credit for that, right? But again, you're you're talking about 4,000 total yards, 22 total touchdowns, $45 million. And and you're still, you're banking, obviously, that he's only what, 25, 26 years old still? Yeah. Uh, so there's obviously that more room to grow, but with, and I know I think with David Carr, I think you, you, you kind of realize he's reached his, Dirt. I would think his ceiling, you know what I mean? Um, it is funny to think that how many times we've called Derek Carr, David Carr on this podcast and how many times it's Derek happened. Carr, yeah. It must uh, happen all the time. But I just, th- I don't know if there's that extra, you're going to see that another Derek Carr just because he's in new Orleans. I think you're going to see pretty similar numbers to what he's put up. And the fact that, you know, he's a guy that's had longevity because of his health is something that hopefully stays stays true in New Orleans, too. Yeah, and we did a, and previously on a, on a previous podcast, we did break down, you know, what does he do better than an Andy Dalton last season? And two of the things are he is a bit more mobile. He's not a runner, but he is mobile. And he has 28 career fourth quarter comebacks, which is 13th all time in NFL history. He doesn't have that many wins. So a high percentage of his wins have come in circumstances where he's had to bring a team back late in the game. And that is a quality that I've always found in terms of NFL quarterbacking, you either have it or you don't. And I think that's the case with him, right? I actually think that's the case with Daniel Jones. Like one of the reasons I think that you do want to pay that guy is he does seem to pick it up. Like he has a clutch gene in him and that's not true of everybody. Right. Like I would argue that that's the opposite of what's true with Andy Dalton. As you looked at throughout his career, he doesn't have that clutch gene and he has thrown for a ton of yards. He has thrown for a ton of touchdowns. He's won a ton of football games, but he's never been that guy late in the game where you're like, oh, he's going to go win it for us right now. And so that's where you're hoping Derek Carr is. And so by that, by that definition, yes, I am willing to pay him. The other thing to keep in mind is, and this is another thing we talked about 
previously, one of the benefits of signing him as opposed to trading for him is you get to structure his contract in a way that helps you, especially this year. And so Derek Carr's cap hit for the 2023 season, despite that $37 million average annual value, his cap hit's only going to be $7.2 million. And so you look down the road, 2024, that cap hit jumps to 35.7, 2025, 45.7, 2026, 55.7. And then you actually have a void year in 2027, which is 5.7 million. And you're going to continue to just dump salary into that void year as you go forward. But like you would have had a much more difficult time setting it up this way, restructuring the contract that the Raiders signed him to, which had 40 million guaranteed. In this one, he has about 100 million guaranteed. So he's going to make a lot more money on it. But now, you know, you're talking about, okay, they're $18 million over the cap as of today. They signed yeah. Derek Carr, right? So that puts them $25 million over the cap, give or take. So that's what they have to clear as of March 15th. And then you can start signing free agents and you're going to continue to work that number down as you need it to bring guys in, which we're going to talk about more in the next segment. But like, that's reasonable. You can figure that out. And then you're going to worry about next year when you get to next year, it's going to be another bomb that you have to, a salary cap bomb that you have to figure out but that's what you're looking at this year is about, you know, after Derek Carr, you are looking at, you have to clear 25 million in the next week. Yeah. More shout outs to Kai Harley with the Saints. who's was always able to, you know, be one of those guys that's able seemingly yearly. It happens where they just massage the cap and are able to do whatever they want the numbers to do. We laugh about it. We talk about it. The fact that everyone counts the Saints out just because you hear, oh, they're in caps, hell, they're never going to dig out of it. But there's where there's a will, there's a way. And when when the Saints are wanting to get somebody, they've shown they're not only aggressive, but they're willing to put up and shut up, you know, sh- make people shut up when it comes to the big bucks. If they want someone, they're going to get you and sign you. And, yeah, just hopefully now Derek Carr ends up being what they envision him to be at quarterback for this team. Uh, giving them some, you know, much needed stability now. The post, the post Drew Brees era kind of deal. But you know what? That's going to be a, a problem for him too. It's always going to be tough for anyone, whoever it is, to live in that shadow of Drew Brees until you start winning. Yeah. See, I think that actually is a positive for him in this circumstance that Jameis kind of took those <laughs> the, the Brees little hits, hits, right? Because everyone's. <laughs> expectations are a lot lower than they were going into the 2021 season. It's a, it's just a fact like, and that's not a slight on Jameis. It's just the reality of when you go through two seasons, like the last two where you are like, who's our quarterback this week. Right. And a lot of that's due to injuries, but still like, who's our quarterback, man, are, are they going to be good enough to win? Oh, eight and nine, seven and 10, nine and eight, man, we're going to miss the playoffs. Right. But like, if you went into that, if Derek Carr is the first one through the door, in 2021 in a season that you knew you were going to struggle, right? Like you knew that there were, there were big questions to answer and you don't want to have to suddenly be 11 and 11 and six just to save face. And that's a, that's a difficult situation. Jameis found himself in and it's a situation that Derek doesn't find himself in, right? If Derek Carr shows up and goes nine and eight and makes the playoffs, (laughs) you know, you're going to be like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. He goes 10 and seven or 11 and six. Like, wow, look, this guy's the the, the answer, right? Yeah. And so in that sense, he ha- the hurdle he has to clear is much lower than what a guy like Jameis had to do because he was always going to be compared to the guy he sat behind for two years. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, just interesting now that, you know, we, we saw that exchange between Drew and Jameis when it was Drew's last game against Tampa in the playoffs, and you kind of saw that it was his last hurrah and him pointing to Jameis and you could kind of see through the lip reading there say, telling him this is your team now. And that just really never came to fruition. Unfortunately for Jameis, I definitely will wish him luck somewhere. I still think there is, there's a team out there that'll give him a shot. He's still in that cal- in that range, I believe. And who, who knows, maybe he ends up balling out somewhere else. Yeah. And when we're still talking about money, it's worth mentioning. There's going to be some interesting decisions to make as it pertains to Jameis. You can, you right. can designate two players as post-June 1 cuts, which effectively means that they are a free agent, but you have to carry their cap hit until June. And they can, the Saints can save about $8 million more against the cap 
if they designate him a June one cut, but obviously, as we've talked about, they do have to clear some of this cap and it might make it more difficult. And it's like, well, maybe if we just need that 4 million now, we can use it. I compare it to like, if you've ever done your taxes on like TurboTax, for example, and you have a refund and they're like, well, if you pay $30 more, we can pay for your tax bill out of your refund. So you never actually have to pay it, but you lose $30 in the process. Right. And I, for one, am like always like, yeah, screw it. It's 30 bucks. I'm going to just do it. <laughs> I'd rather have it. the, I'd rather not have to pay money. And that would be, I think that's the difference here, right? Well, do you want it now? Do, do you want less now, but you get it immediately? Or do you want more down the road? It's an interesting question, uh, but either way, yeah, I think Jameis is 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 going to be cut or traded. I, I imagine he'll be cut, and that'll and save how much against the cap? Sorry, do you know offhand? I think you save four if it's a pre-June one cut. You save about twelve if you if you said it is a post-June one cut or trade. And so, I think that's what they're going to try to do. I think that when you're in the Saints cap situation, you want to maximize that, and I think they have enough enough levers to pull where they can ride out the, the cap excess and not because you're not going to burn $8 million when your whole game is maximizing the cap, right? Like you, like their whole ideology is making sure that they ring at the most possible out of every single dollar available to them. And I think that if you want, if you're doing that strategy, you do it. You know, so I think that they'll probably designate Jameis as the post-June one cut and give him, and then he can go find, you know, his next, his next destination. Hopefully he can find a starting job somewhere. I think he's played well enough to be a starter in the NFL. Right. I'll just be staying on the field. Yeah. Like maybe he can go down to, to Miami. I don't know what they're looking at, but like, I mean, Tua, if you're going to, if you got to be a backup somewhere and you want to get on the field, <laughs> being Tua's backup feels like a pretty, pretty confident bet that you're going to get on the field at some point uh, at some point and that's the problem with Tua in terms of like should he be in the NFL anymore I'm not sure <laughs> I'm worried about him I'm worried about the guy <laughs> definitely scary sights from him uh, last year exactly yeah I, I was watching that game live when he did the whole fencing response thing on the field that was like oh my god what did I just watch but yeah and that's where I say like okay yeah we're, we're gonna be trying to figure out who the backup quarterback is and maybe you can it, maybe the maybe the Eagles cut Ian Book and you bring him back. Well, maybe that's what happens. <laughs> I think that'd the, be kind of funny. The developmental, yeah, the the Saints the Saints pick there. I mean, he didn't, you know, he never really got any kind of play. I don't even think in garbage time for them. No, I was half expecting them to put him in late in I, the game. Yeah, but they, but it was close enough throughout that they didn't. You know, that they never had a chance for the human victory cigar in Week 17, and the Saints obviously won that game. So, yeah, I just checked real quick. He had no stats for them, so he got no action during the season. No, for them. But they were, they were, they wanted him. But, but it definitely at that time, I think you put it best too. It just felt like the ultimate troll job of like, we're, we're going to hurt you even more kind of deal after they had just done that Chauncey Gardner Johnson deal. Yeah. I mean, they, they might, what, what they might have been doing is anticipating, okay, we have Gardner Minshew this season. We're going to let him walk and try to save some money at that position in a season where, you know, we are going to have more difficulty getting under the cap. And so Ian Book is going to be our backup next year. Maybe that's the case. Because Gardner Minshew is a free agent and uh, they could just go with Ian Book as their backup. I don't, I don't know. 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 We don't have, don't you know what? The only thing we have to worry about now is boom, we got Derek Carwatch done at least. Gosh, thank you. We made it through. Thank, thank goodness. And I honestly, like, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I don't really know much about Derek Carr. Like I know a lot about a lot of NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. But Derek Carr for some reason has has remained largely anonymous to me. I think it's because he's been the same place for so long and you kind of just lose track of him. He's never been on a team that forces you to pay attention, right? Because they've always been average at best. You know, it's like, oh, they're gonna make the playoffs. Um, but I have watched him play Pat Mahomes several times, and every time I walk away thinking like he just outdueled Pat Mahomes, like for whatever reason. <laughs> The Chiefs had a terrible time beating Derek Carr's Raiders. And every time I watch it, and I've said this before, like you you look at it and you're like, you're like, I'm watching a good quarterback right now. And you look at the stats, you're like, when did what what happened? Like where where did all the stats go? I watched the stats. They're not here. And so yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. Like I didn't I, I I've spent enough time hating on Andy Dalton 
to to fulfill my quota, but like <laughs> I just was not looking forward to seeing another season of, of just such low ceiling quarterback play. And I think that's what you're looking at now is a much higher ceiling and you're you're paying for it. You're gonna have to find a way to manage the roster around him, but you you're supposed to pay at the quarterback position. That's the deal. You just have to make sure you have the one that's worth paying. Yeah, I really hated saying, you know, the fact that well, Andy Dalton's not going to lose you games, but you know what? He wasn't really a guy that was going to win you any either. And, I, and you know what? There, There is still going to be the jury out, I still think. Is Derek Carr that dude? Is he going to be oh, yeah, the, yeah, one, the one to, to rally this offense, obviously? But I do have a little more faith in the fact that you have an, you have an option here that is definitely someone I, I've heard about at least being that, you know, commitment to winning, uh, faith in football are huge with him. Uh, First guy in, last guy out. And I I love the reaction, obviously, from the Saints players uh, going into this as well. And especially, I know we're going to talk about it in the upcoming segment, Michael Thomas's tweet saying, thank you, Jesus, with praying hands. What is going on? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. (laughs) I had at least one Saints reporter that will remain anonymous text me after I quote tweeted it. Saying like, did you just quote tweet Michael Thomas? He has me blocked. Uh, <laughs> can you tell me what it says? <laughs> Which I thought was funny. But yeah, it, no, it, I think the same, the team is excited and they should be. Uh, and it's, it's a good day. It's a good day. But let's wrap that segment up. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk about, yeah, more Mike Thomas. Uh, what, what we might be able to expect in free agency, that sort of thing. So stick around here on Inside Black and Gold. Do it. And we're back. One more for the win here. And I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. He's inside black and gold. And as we mentioned in the last segment, a lot of Saints players expressed their joy to multitude is that a word i think i made it up <laughs> ecstatic ecstaticism another word i think i just made up they're excited like i i don't think that they're just they're just playing along here i think that you know when you feel like you have a legitimate talent at quarterback and you're not guessing you can kind of look at it and be like yeah okay that's now now what do we do um and so like tyron matthew tweeted alante taylor tweeted cam jordan tweeted um, there was at least two or three more and yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's teams don't just like fans don't like being in this kind of quarterback purgatory where you're always kind of trying to figure out who it is. I don't think te- I don't think players like to be in that either. I'm interested to see what Blake Gillikin is going to do is coming out, you know, is Derek Carr coming after that number four now? Is that what that was? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, cause, I, uh, Ian Rappaport, this looked pretty good. Tweeted out that graphic of Derek Carr in the Saints jersey. And yeah. then I think you what is had the, Popeyes that kid kid? The, the Popeyes kid? The Popeyes kid. Who I found out recently is like a He's deep grown up. football player now. He's all yes. grown up. And uh, yeah. But the see, I saw the, that. The gift grow up with us. Yeah. So the, the, there occasionally, I am a I, I am a Twitter just dud at times and I just don't <laughs> pick up on, on like the, 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 uh, the joke being had, but like, I completely, that went over my head. Cause I was like, maybe he just misgift this. Like maybe he just didn't have the right reaction and he thought this meant something. It didn't No, but He no, sees okay. that number four and it's like, Hmm, well, I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't make the connection with the Jersey number, but yes. So he tweeted the Popeye's kid saying like, Hmm, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I Controversy. Mean, I maybe he will have to have to swap jerseys. Uh, maybe he can switch to fourteen. That's available. Well, well, Derek Carr's got some pretty good uh, dollar signs to back it up. If he needs to take him out to eat or give him a gift for that number four. Yeah, if I was a punter, and I get paid punter money, and I see a quarterback coming in on a thirty-seven point five million dollar contract who probably wants my jersey number, I'm like, yeah, Derek, what are you willing to pay? <laughs> You're going to give me some of that sweet, sweet $60 million signing bonus there. Um, and it's not a signing bonus to do it signing either way. Uh, yeah. So a lot of players reacted and and it was all positive. And the, but the one that definitely stood out above the rest is Michael Thomas saying, 
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and one thing that I have learned in the course of paying attention to the Saints and social media is you should never overreact to the things that Mike Thomas is posting on Twitter. Because in a lot of instances, they're just rap lyrics. <laughs> and if you take the, if you take them all literally, you can get very confused very fast as to where he is mentally at that point in the offseason. That said, I think the timing of this and the content of this, it's hard to take anything but literally out of this in that he is very excited that Derek Carr is the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, that to me, contrary to what I've been told, is that he's, he wants to be dealt and doesn't want to be in New Orleans anymore. It seems he's very open to doing whatever it takes maybe to remain in black and gold and man, oh, man. I mean, that I, I've talked about it, having him, Chris Olave, a guy like Rashid Shahid, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, that Saints offense sounds pretty tasty. Yeah, and, and this is what Deuce McAllister had to say this morning uh, with Tommy Tucker um, in terms of like how, how Derek Carr fits. He makes you a better football team. He makes you a better football team today. The question is, does that equate into wins? And you, you really don't know that at this point. There's still some other pieces that they have to put uh, to this puzzle. I mean, this definitely helps the puzzle, but this puzzle is definitely not complete as far as looking into this upcoming season. There's still some pieces that they yeah. need to add. Yeah, and, and the question kind of leads into is Michael Thomas one of those pieces? And so you kind of look at what happened with his contract and why was it re, re, reworked the way it was. And I think what you had there was both the Saints and Mike Thomas were ready to get out of that contract. I don't know if Mike necessarily wanted to be traded. I would, I would guess that he didn't want to get traded on that contract. He wanted to just be let out of it. And that's what's going to happen is he's going to get cut. But he's going to be a free agent just like everyone else, right? Like he's not going to just be them cutting him is not a sign that the British have been burned. It's just, you're a free agent now. And I think what you're going to see with Mike, is he's going to test his market, but what market is there going to be for a very good, but injury prone wide receiver who has not, who's played in what? seven games in the last three years. I mean, there just can't be much of a market. Like at best, you are going to be signing a low guaranteed incentive laden deal. And if you're going to do that, why not just do it in new Orleans, right? The question for him would always have been who's the quarterback. Well, now you know who the quarterback is. So if you are interested in returning to the saints, you can make that decision now based on, okay, I know who's throwing me the football, right? Like I know that there is a quarterback who's going to be in there that I can, that I can work with. And I think that does, that is a big part of the equation for him. I don't think he was willing to come back if Andy Dalton was the quarterback, but with Derek based on his reaction, seems like he probably is. Yeah. This wasn't even just like a hoot at a thumbs up right. arm flexing. This was thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, it does say a lot, even though like you were saying, you, you try not to look into Michael Thomas's uh, musings on social media too much because it usually is some kind of rap lyric that he's tweeting out. But this one clearly seems right. to be on the day aimed at what the saints did in the news. And yeah, I mean, I'm all about it. I think that, you know, the t the two parties can still work things out. It's not like there's any bad blood or the bridges are burned here or anything. I think obviously it's a lot more uh, intact that what happened with Jameis Winston, you know, we talked about, is there a scenario where Winston before the car signing happened, where we could see Jameis maybe coming back to this team to, despite how things went last year. Well, Things didn't really go bad last year except for the injury between Michael Thomas and the team. There was really no miscommunication or, I would say, trouble. It was just the fact that, you know, once again, we saw the freaking top target on the team suffer an injury that ended a season. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a good point. It's like you go back to the 2020 season and the 2021 season, and I think Mike was feuding with the doctors, and he was – not on the same page as Sean Payton. The communication wasn't what it needed to be. Yeah, and you, you say Sean Payton right there, and I thought there was more friction maybe with him and Sean. That's why there was that thought of immediately when he does or if he does get released, he's just going to follow Sean Payton to Denver, and I'm not sure that relationship was so great. 
No, I mean Sean was the guy that he was the 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 like like I think if there's any friction it's with the doctors and then maybe Sean, but I mean, Agreed, I never right. got that sense as it, as it related to DA. I never got that sense as it related to Pete. So, you know, it's, it's really tough. You know, it's really tough to infer anything with Mike because he's such a guarded individual. He talks really quietly. So it's hard to hear him. And, you know, it's like, maybe that tweet was about like, I don't know the McRib coming back. I don't know. Like <laughs> it could have been about anything. The timing is what makes you feel like it had to be about Derek Carr. But at the same time, it's like, again, he tweets stuff all the time. That is like, if you just think he's tweeting about football, you're going to come away with a very different impression. But I don't know. Like, I think if it's beneficial for both Mike and the saints, which it very well could be, then, then sure. But, it, but that said, you know, he lives out in Malibu. He has a house out in Malibu. He could go sign with the Chargers on a, on a very low-level incentive-laden deal. He could go sign with the Bills, right? Like, it's it's going to be a question of whether he thinks he has the best chance to win and he has the best chance to be fed on that team. And I think that, more than anything else, is why the Saints make sense because he knows that if he does come back, he will be fed the football because that's just what they do. And he doesn't have to wonder about like, oh, I go out to, I go out to San Diego. I'm sorry. I go out to LA and, oh, well, yeah, they, they, they like Mike Williams, Mike Williams better. I go up to, I go up to Buffalo and it's like, oh, I have to compete with Stefan Diggs and he has this great relationship with Josh Allen and he never throws me the ball. Right. Like that's the unknown of it all to me is what makes the, the return of Mike on a, on a much lower level incentive laden deal actually pretty likely. And because you got to bring in a like, we, like Deuce McAllister's talking about missing pieces. One of those missing pieces is a possession receiver. Last year, you thought you had two, and you ended up with none because <laughs> you brought in Jarvis Landry and you had Mike Thomas. They both got hurt in the same game, and you basically didn't have them from that point on. And so, yeah, I mean, you got to bring in someone like that. Why not make it him? Another interesting you you mentioned Landry right there is maybe he's someone also that thinks about running it back for another year here. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if you just want to redo the the 2022 wide receiver room, but there is a point where you where you can only bring in so many bodies above the minimum. And I don't know if they can afford Jarvis on a one-year $6 million deal this year, knowing right, yeah. that you have a lot of rookies you're going to pay, right? You also have to pay the free agent class, or I'm sorry, the rookie, the rookie draft class, and you have a lot of picks, seven, which I anticipate you'll make a majority of them, right? That's tough. And I don't know if you got enough last year because, because last year you went in thinking, oh, okay, Jarvis is going to be the wide receiver too, or maybe three if Chris Olave shows up right away. Now right. you know what Chris Olave is. You know what Rashid Shahid is. So you don't necessarily have to bring in that extra body at wide receiver, but you do probably want to bring in someone who can fill in if Mike goes down again. So that's, that's the question. But I think you're going to want to do that on a minimum deal if you do it. Yeah, like I said, it was just interesting. Just because uh, I, I felt like Landry was obviously uh, a solid veteran voice. I love Jarvis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just a, a, a hometown guy that obviously had the passion for not just football, but for New Orleans, which which matters. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I would think he would want his time, you know, back, his time home, his time with the Saints to maybe be a little more productive. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Jarvis was very disappointed in how that season went. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like Jarvis is a very competitive guy. You know, if you've seen the hard knocks clip of him saying, like, unless your bones falling off your body, you know, you should be out there practicing. Well, he spent half the season dealing with an ankle injury. And as far as I could tell, his ankle was still on his body. And he right, just didn't get out there. But he came back and messed it up more in London when he should have been sitting. Yeah. I think it's a very Jarvis thing to do is like yes. play through play play hurt. And it, and it, and it, and it worked against him, but yeah. But then they'll blame the Saints training staff on that too, or the medical, you know, the, the you know, I never got them. that from him. Mike is a little more out, uh, outspoken about the, about the training staff. <laughs> That's very um, true. Right. But they did get an A minus. So he couldn't have tanked the grade that badly. <laughs> um, the other, the other name that is worth talking about now, and I think it makes a lot of sense is, do you bring Andy Dalton back as the backup quarterback? And I think you, I think, if you can get him back on a deal like he did last year and you get 1 million, one, one year, $3 million, that range. I, I think that's a solid because he does make sense backing up David Carr, Derek, Derek Carr. He, we're going to have to have a tip jar, like a fine jar. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> he wouldn't make sense backing up everybody. 
like like for example, you went and got Lamar. He would not make sense backing up a Lamar Jackson. He does make sense backing up a Derek Carr. So, and he knows the offense, right? The team likes him. He, you know, he, I, I think that under the circumstances, like I didn't want to see him brought back as a starter, but I would love to see him brought back as the backup because I think in terms of being a backup, it's about as high quality of a backup as you can find. I agree. If you want somebody reliable coming off the bench, you know, someone that's like you just said now too, especially knows the offense. I thought it was amazing last year at training camp. I know the Bobby Bear loved to say that, you know, Derek was outperforming Jameis Andy. in those early training camp practices and all. To me, I was definitely impressed on how se- like comfortable immediately you could tell that Dalton was uh, with the playbook, just working with the offense. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to bring that back again. And he made it very clear last year he he was happy in that reserve role. And I, I don't see why that wouldn't be a case again, considering I, I'm pretty sure both sides would find that really amicable. Yeah, Andy's a pro, right? He's been around the block. As Bobby would say, he's got skins on the wall. Skins what have you done for wall. me lately? He says that all the time. What have so, you done so did, for me lately? So, so does Buffalo Bill. I mean, the, the skins yeah. on the wall. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I think... Andy, in terms of what he provides as a backup, is a very good thing, right? He's a guy you want in that quarterback room. He's a guy you want in the game planning meetings, right? You know, he's basically an assistant coach at this point. He's been around the, the only, league that the long. Only, the only thing I could say maybe you, would, you wouldn't do that is that he seems to work his way into the starting lineup because whoever he's backing up gets hurt. That's true. He might be the new Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yes, exactly, right. Yeah, but... My only question with him is, does he make more this year, right? Can you get him back on a one-year, $3 million contract? Or do you have to, do you have to pay seven, $8 million, right? Like, if you go through the average quarterback salary yeah. list, you know, you can only get down to about 14 before the rookies start hitting. And number 14 is Jameis. The next one after Jameis and not a rookie is Mitch Trubisky at $7 million, right? Like, so, like the high value backup quarterbacks actually do make a good number, right? The guys who you would say, quote unquote, are a bridge, right? Like the Steelers signed Mitch Trubisky to start until Kenny Pickett was ready. And so if that's the range Andy end up going in, I don't think you bring him back because I don't think you can afford an $8 million contract on a guy that you don't want to put in the game. That's a whole issue too. Like uh, a great, great point because Andy knows too, like, you got me at a steal last season, so if you want me to come back, you need to pony up a little more. Yeah. Well, to me, I don't even think that's it. I think it's whether he has a market or not, right? Like, if you're competing with other teams, then then you have to pay more. If he, if you're the only one calling, then you can get him for whatever you want, right? Like, I don't, I don't think Andy's going to be like, I started 14 games for you last year. How dare you offer me that? I'm like, <laughs> that's the only deal. Like, I right, seen your like, oh, if, if it's a gig, it's a gig. I just, I looked in your mailbox. There's nothing there, Andy. Like This is the only deal you're getting, you know? And uh, if that's the case, then it's like, yeah, okay, I'll come and play. Um, I think he just wants to be a quarterback in the NFL. Like Joe Flacco's in the same boat. Like they're very similar players in that respect of like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll back somebody up. Let's do it. He did it last year. That's exactly what he was doing last year. (laughs) Having a Carr-Dalton combo is definitely not a bad thing going into the season. Yeah. Maybe not as exciting as some might have, anticipated i don't know I, I can't wait already for you know one of Derek carr's questions is going to be like how he's going to be sharing the football with Taysom hill well actually you know this is something we can talk about and then we can wrap up here and uh, deuce brought this up and it's a good point is he's actually dealt with that before and it was in 2020 and 2021 with marcus mariota and john gruden was using marcus mariota in a similar way not as frequently, right? Not okay, to the, the right. extreme that the Saints do with Taysom Hill. But he was using Marcus Mariota in that kind of running quarterback role. And there were instances where Derek would come off the field and they would run Marcus Mariota out there. Like he appeared in eight games. Oh, that is interesting because I totally forgot about that too. Yeah, I forgot about it too, but it's but it's it's fair. And it, it has happened. Um, in 2020, he appeared in eight games in 2020, eight games in 2021. One of those in 2020 was a start and that's when he threw a majority of his 17 passes because Derek Carr was out hurt. But, you know, you look at the rushing attempts. Yeah. And in 2020, he ran the ball nine times for 88 yards. 2021, he ran the ball 13 times for 87 yards. And 
Like, obviously, those numbers aren't anywhere near what you would have with Taysom Hill. But I think it is a good thing to know that he has some experience in the NFL coming off the field in lieu of a quarterback who you're going to try to run the ball with. Yeah, so it's, I don't know how much- it's not something completely foreign to him then. Yeah, like I don't know how much he likes that. I don't know how sure. how amenable he will be to do it as much as Andy did it last year, right? Like you had some, I think it was the Rams game where they basically just alternated snaps and it worked, but like I can see how that would be annoying for a starting quarterback who's trying to get in a rhythm. So that, that will be something that's interesting to watch. But I did think it was a really good point by Deuce in that not all quarterbacks, you, like he's one of the few quarterbacks that you probably could look at and be like, yeah, he's done this before. Like Tom Brady's never done that. Right. Aaron Rodgers has never done that. Justin Herbert's never done that. Joe Burrow's never done that. Trevor Lawrence has never done that. Pat Mahomes has never done that. Right. Like there's all like Kirk Cousins has never done that. Anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any, I'm trying to think of teams that had that kind of gadget player and it's, it's really not jumping to me at all. The Falcons. Right. (laughs) They tried to do it with Felipe Franks and it does not work. Um, (laughs) The Panthers tried to do it with Tommy Stevens. A couple years back, right? Remember when they signed him? Good old Tommy uh, Stevens, yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, like there, there are teams that don't need to do it because they have a Lamar Jackson. He serves both roles. But yeah. Anyway, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting because I, I asked the same question, and I never even considered that. Oh wait, he has had to do that with Marcus Mariota before, and Marcus Mariota. If you had to pick a quarterback who is probably the closest to Taysom Hill in terms of athleticism and no one's going to give him a starting job anymore. <laughs> Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, and obviously it'll be something to watch because I'm, I know folks are still anticipating, even with, you know, maybe Taysom Hill's salary, the Saints look to move on from that. And somebody that could be interested is Sean Payton in Denver. Would he want to make a move to acquire him? I think it's unlikely now that they have restructured his deal. I think if you were going to trade him, you would have tried to do it prior to restructuring his deal because now you're eating that dead money either way. Um, yeah, that's fair for sure. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even think about that, right? Yeah, so they restructured him and DeMario over the weekend. And I've been spot on with all my restructure predictions so far. So I said there were five coming, Tyron Matthew, DeMario Davis, Taysom Hill. You got, three of the, you got those three, and then the next two are going to be Marshawn and Cam. And you're going to have to – now, because of Derek Carr, you're going to have to do one more – and I think it's going to be in the, either the form of your designated Jameis as a post-June 1 cut, which I think you – but you can't do that yet, right? And you have to hold on to that. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's Andrews Pete. And the question is whether you're restructuring him or you're cutting him. Um, I think you're probably going to restructure him because I don't – the only way you cut him and this – you'd be in a situation kind of like you were with Larry Warford in the 2020 season – where he was due a big salary. He was going to be a big hit against the salary cap. You could save a good chunk of that by cutting him, and you did intend to draft an interior lineman high. And that year it was Cesar Ruiz, and this year you are drafting 29. You can probably get a starting caliber interior lineman at 29, and maybe that is your plan. Maybe you're hoping to end up with an Osiris Torrance, and you move on from Andres Pete the same way you drafted Cesar Ruiz and you moved on from Larry Warford. Either way, that's my next guess of who you're going to look at to kind of solve that conundrum. Um, but either way, yeah, that's it's an interesting question. Yeah, that is tough with Andrews, obviously, because of the problems, you know, we know with him having an ailment every other week, it seems like, unfortunately, throughout his career, it's been a an ongoing issue. One of those guys that's always got something. But man, when when he's another Bobby Bear saying when he's hell, he's well especially in the run blocking game where you could just call him a mauler or, 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 you know, just one of those guys that's a run grader that you do appreciate when he is around. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we we could say that with a lot of offensive linemen that have gone through a number one, we saw Teron Armstead, even just last year in Miami, it was like, he, he could just, just a dude that cannot stay healthy for them, no matter how, great quote-unquote great you consider him at the position i agree and so there's one other bit of news we can hit on before we leave geno smith has signed a three-year 105 million dollar contract to stay with the seahawks okay so if you were wondering whether the saints were in the were in the right ballpark with their 37.5 million dollar deal per year for Derek carr 
Geno Smith is going to make $35 million a year. Good for Geno, so, man. That's a great reclamation story. I yeah. agree. And I'm glad the Seahawks are keeping him around because I hate that. I hate when when quarterbacks kind of like show you they're the guy and then you're just yeah. like, yeah, but you're not a good enough guy, <laughs> you know? So anyway, yeah. Yeah, Geno's it's uh, definitely uh, interesting to see what he can do now with Seattle. Uh, with uh, They'll be building with him there. But I was that was one of those games I couldn't believe you know, seeing Geno Smith in the Superdome and there were so many throws that I just, my, my mouth was open going, who is this guy? I agree. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we clear out here? No, just, uh, you know, we'll be getting official word from Derek Carr as a member of the Saints this weekend. The Saints uh, having a press conference then, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about what food he can't wait to try or other local cuisine that he needs to experience yes poorly poorly timed um in the sense that i cannot be there but steve will be there <laughs> so he can he, he can relay <laughs> just there's a there's a parade i have to march in on saturday and oh, i uh, have to darn well i paid for it no i know i'm just saying oh darn you have to <laughs> yeah, i mean if i if it was free i would not go <laughs> it's not it's quite costly actually and uh so unfortunately that's that's where i will be but uh i i'll have plenty of time to talk to derek i think and i'm bummed that i can't be there it's just they had to do it on a saturday for some reason i guess it's derek's availability but either way it's when the new era of Saints football begins. Yeah. It's going to be a bummer when like 20 years from now, when they're like, I was at Derek Carr's press conference and now he's a Hall of Famer. And then I was like, no, I couldn't go. Oh, I was, I was giving out roses. Or yeah. Is that what it is? Roses or what kind of flower? I think, I think it is. Yeah, it's okay. roses. I got to go get the, the cane thing. Derek will understand totally. I am curious as to whether he realizes that his press conference is going on simultaneously with like a major event in the city. But... You know, live and learn. There'll be plenty of Derek press conferences. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Thanks, everyone who listened. Thanks, everyone who hit the subscribe button, who gave us a rating, gave us a review. And uh, thank you for everyone who will do that after you realize, wow, I'm not in that number. I need to do that right now. I'm going to go give however many stars I think is worthy. And I'm going to write in a couple words and say blah, 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 blah. Oh, and it's worth mentioning we've set... Download. We had a record month in February, which happens to be the shortest month of the year. So I think that's that's cool. And we've only been publishing two episodes as opposed to three, like we do during the regular season. So I think that's really impressive. And I that's all about y'all listening. And uh, I appreciate that. And then we also had a record week last week in terms of weekly downloads. And we broke it by about 25% of the previous record high. So again, thanks for everyone who listens. It's really cool that uh, y'all are doing that yeah absolutely and already you know what jeff this off season has been a lot more fun than our regular season we just went through already yeah hope <laughs> be nice we had a couple quiet weeks <laughs> never uh, <laughs> but yeah all right y'all thanks